the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From Grace Bible Church in Hayward, welcome. This is Way of Grace. Pastor Jessica Stand will return our thoughts and our attention to Psalm 103, the verses 1 through 22 today. It's there that we catch up with Pastor Jesse in a message he's called the celebration of his grace in the forgiveness of our sins. And indeed, as we find ourselves forgiven, it does celebrate grace. It promotes exactly what Christ did on the cross and who he is. For the details, let's catch up with Pastor Jessica Stan on today's broadcast of Way of Grace. He made you for his glory. He made me for his glory. He made us for his glory. He made everything for his glory. And for your pleasure, they are and were created. But the next verse really affirms for us what David means when he says, Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his what? Dominion. It's in Revelation chapter 5, starting at verse 11. You remember that epic picture of John recognizing that there was a throne again and God was on the throne. And guess who's sitting on the throne with God? The Lamb who has taken the scroll, the seals, and began to open them up. Look at verse 11 of Revelation 5. Here it is. And I beheld... And I heard the voice of many what? You see how New Testament, Old Testament correspond? I heard the voice of many angels round about the what? See the throne again? And the beast are the living ones and the elders, the living ones and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and what? Thousands and thousands of God's people from all over the world gathered in the last day in that glorious celestial Worship of the true and the living God. Do you see? What a day that's going to be. Now look at the next verse. Saying with a loud verse, loud voice, what? Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power. You know what he's doing? He's preaching once again the blood atoning work of Christ, which is the means by which we enter into worship. Without blood, there's no forgiveness. Without forgiveness, we can't draw near to God. And I'm here to tell you, to whom much is forgiven, the same loveth much. There will be a host of people in heaven who will love God with every fiber of their being, and they will give Christ all the glory for it. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, and honor, glory, and here's the word. What is it? Verse 13, look at it. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth, and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them. I heard saying, blessing, and honor, and glory, and power be unto him that sits on the throne, and unto the Lamb forever, forever, forever. Every creature, 
Every creature will worship God in that day. My, David knew what real worship was supposed to be like. Did he know? Did he know? Right now, men are rebelling against God, but there will be a day of worship where the redeemed and the unredeemed will give God glory. Where the saved and the damned will give God glory. Everyone will bow the knee to Jesus Christ, call him Lord to the glory of God the Father in heaven, in earth, and under the earth. Everything that God made will ultimately render God, glory to God. This is what David is talking about in the psalm. He's leading us to a big view of worship. And worship ought to be that way. You need to be careful that your worship is not too narrow. God is huge, and his dominion is everywhere, and the impact of his sovereign rule is everywhere. It's not always perceived by us, but it's so, is it not? It's so. And so what we have here in point number one is the exaltation of a sovereign Lord who rules over everything, and the worship leader David calling all of creation, redeemed and unredeemed, to worship him. The unregenerated are commanded to worship God, but the elect are covenanted to do it. Woo! God commands all men everywhere to repent. He commands all men to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, but he only covenants and qualifies his elect. He commands everybody to believe, but you will never believe until God qualifies you to believe. He commands all men to repent, but until God grants us repentance, we will never turn to God. This is why the redeemed say, not unto us, not unto us, but to your name be glory, because you by your power have redeemed us from all iniquity. We have no problem telling the world that we are saved totally by the grace of God. We have no problem telling the world that God made a rotten, hell-bound sinner a worshiper of the glorious triune God. We have no problem, we have no problem telling you that redemption is by God, through Christ, by the Spirit of God alone. We have no problem letting you know if it wasn't for God's mercy, I wouldn't even be looking to God. We let you know right now. We let you know right now, you are saved only by the grace of God. You are called only by the gospel. You are quickened only by the Spirit of God. You are made new only by the grace of God. You cannot worship God from the heart until he takes that stony heart out, put in a heart of flesh, write his laws on your heart, and then put his spirit in you. You cannot do it. You cannot do it. All you can do is play church. He has to create in us a new heart. He has to create in us a right spirit. And when it's really done, you know it. This is what Jesus meant in John 4 when he says, those that worship me will worship me in spirit and in truth because it will be a work of grace that God does. By the time you agree with God, he has made you agreeable. Your people will be willing in the day of his power. Point number two, point number two. If in fact we have the key to true worship, a sovereign Lord, the elect angels, the elect saints, and ultimately the whole creation, I want you to see in verses 17 and 18, the community of true worshipers. This won't be long, but it's important. Look at verse 17 and 18. The text says, but the mercy of the Lord is from what? Everlasting to everlasting upon them that what? Fear God and his righteousness unto children's children 
verse 18, to such as keep his what? And to those that remember his commandments to do them. Verse 17 and 18 tells us plainly the blessings of the whole of that psalm are only given to covenant people. The psalm tells us the purpose for which God pours out his blessing upon men and women is because they have been brought into covenant. There's a way I want to phrase that in your outline. Pull up, look at your point number two. It's real simple. Under point number two, the community of true worshipers is evident by two characteristics. One, the filial fear of reverence, awe, love, and adoration. Do you see it? For those of you who went to government school, the word filio means family or relation by virtue of a parent. When you're truly born again, you are a child of God, and God is your father. And the reverence that you have towards God is not the trepidation of a hard taskmaster who can't wait to throw you into hell, but a loving heavenly father who deals with you as children, as we're about to see, children who reverently love their father. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? Stay with me now. Watch this now. There are lots of churches that don't even use the word fear anymore. There are lots of churches that don't even use the word holiness anymore. They don't even use the word judgment or chastisement or discipline. But you're going to see as we make our way up that God is a father who not only is to be revered and loved and adored, but he chastens. He disciplines. He corrects. Watch this. He judges his people. That's what the Bible teaches. Now watch this. When you've been born of God and you have received the spirit of adoption, by which you cry what? When God's dealing with you, as difficult as it may be, you don't stop calling him father. Now here's something really powerful that I'm, I'm not going to unpack now. I'll do it in Wednesday uh, summer class when we deal with the Psalms further. But in Psalm 130 verse 4, where you learned a couple of weeks ago that while God's forgiveness, watch this now, is absolute and God's forgiveness is certain, God's forgiveness is not automatic. While God's forgiveness is absolute and certain, God's forgiveness is not what? God doesn't just automatically forgive you because forgiveness is a component of relationship. And what does God call you and I to do? Interact according to the terms in order for us to enjoy the blessings of forgiveness. Didn't we learn that the psalmist had to wait for God to forgive? And we're going to learn that even more. And you should know that even now. There are times when you and I are in trouble with God and God will hang out long enough for you to bear the fruits of repentance. Why? Because the Bible says if we confess our sins, God is just and faithful to what? Forgive us. Why? Because forgiveness is a framework to preserve relationship. You don't get to do whatever you want because you're forgiven. God forgives you in order to have a relationship with you. Oh, God, help us get it. None of you who have ever had this experience in your soul where you have rebelled and disobeyed God and immediately there was a sense of forgiveness. Didn't we learn that in Psalm 32? David went through a season of insanity and madness for a whole year 
And when God had ripened him by chastisement, then Nathan comes along and says, your sins are forgiven. But what had David said? I have sinned against the Lord. And so here we must understand that when we are talking about filial love of God, what we know is God will not let you and I get away with bad behavior. If you are a righteous, loving father, you do not let your kids do whatever they want. Now watch this. And when you discipline them and give them time out, that's the same as delaying the impact and effects of forgiveness. In other words, they have it, but it's not employed until they meet the conditions. How many of y'all with me? How many of y'all with me right now? Right, and God will do that with you. He will not lift the burden. He will not take it away. He will not send it down the line and give you the comforts of the Holy Ghost until he has disciplined you in your soul and you have said, Lord, you know I have messed up. Then God is ready to forgive, ready to pardon, ready to deliver, but not until then. We're about to learn that here. So under point number two, the community of true worshipers, the filial fear of reverence, awe, love, and adoration. And then subpoint B, the obedience of what? Through the what? Now, pastor, how do you see that? Look again at verse 17 in our text and 18. Notice how it is actually constructed. Verse 17 says, God's mercies is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that what? Fear him. That's an Old Testament term that equals believing in the New Testament. Right. So a lot of times because we dichotomize the Bible, some of us don't like the God of the Old Testament. We only want the God of the New Testament. I'm here to tell you, you got to have both. You can't have the God of the old and not the God of the new or the God of the new and the God of the It's all one eternal covenant. So where God calls us to believe on him, he gives us the fear of the Lord, does he not? The fear of the Lord is clean. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? And all those who have understanding will depart from evil. Stay with me now. All true believers have the messianic gift. If you read Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 4, there are seven characteristics to the messianic qualities of Christ. Do you know what one of them is? The fear of the Lord. Did Christ fear God? It was heard and that he feared. Now, fear for us as children of God is simply an innate ability to be limited from doing all that we would do that's contrary to God. I thank God for fear, don't you? Right, so for people who don't have that quality made up in their physical nature, they hurt themselves all the time. Fear is a boundary God gives us so that we do not exceed to our own hurt. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of fear. I didn't told you if it wasn't for God's mercy, you'd be sinning way more than you do. There are some of us for whom, if it weren't for the fear of God, we'd be living like hell. If God would just let us go, we would do it. But I'm too scared to do it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Uh -huh. All right. So, so I didn't say it a long time ago. You got your rock and roll sinners. That's the young people that jump. You remember how you used to just jump because you could? You got your rock, rock and roll sinners. Then you got the old folk who think about it. We call them rock and chair sinners. All they do is rock. They don't never jump. They just rock. They don't never. They do it up here, but they don't never do it down there. We too old to jump, but you do it up here. 
Then we got the rocking by sinners. You know who those are? Those little babies you are holding in your arm? Little bitty vipers. Snakes. Who if they could sin, they would. Isn't God good to restrain us? He's good to restrain us. And what parents are, are restraints to their children until they're old enough to behave in a fashion where we can loosen the reins. And what God does with us is grows us up in the context of the forgiveness of sins so that we can do what he has called us to do. So in your outline, I have the language is Torah, but the content is what? The language is Torah, that is Old Testament terminology that corresponds with fear and and reverence and holiness and all that. But the New Testament calls it what? The gospel. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be what? Right. So in the New Testament, we are told in 1 John 3, 23, and this is the commandment that he gave us, to love one another and to believe on Jesus Christ whom he has sent. This sums up the whole of God's law. Is that right? Love one another and believe on Christ. Isn't that what he's called us to do? Believe on Christ. And this is the commandment that he's given us, that we should believe on the name of his son Jesus and love one another as he gave us commandment. These are the two commandments. One is vertical. Believe on God through Christ. The other is horizontal. Love one another. Y'all got it? Let's move on to our third point then. Our third point is what I call the exposition historically of God's work. We'll spend a little time here, but I hope not to spend too long. What David does here starts in verse 6 going through verse 16, and we'll be able to pithily work through it in our subpoints. Look at verse 6 of Psalm 103. It says, The Lord executes righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. Do you see it? And then it says, He made known his ways unto who? His acts unto who? Stop right there. Verse 6 and 7 teaches you another hermeneutical principle, another Bible principle. We always use biblical history to explain and expose God's character to his people. The verses you are looking at are taking us right back to the Exodus account. Here, notice what the text says. The Lord executes righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. When did Israel discover that God acts that way? When Israel was in bondage to Pharaoh and were crying out because of the oppression and God showed up and showed out, tore up and took out Israel, didn't he? Right. So God shows himself to be righteous in his judgment for all that are oppressed. And here's what he did for Moses. Watch this. He made known his ways to Moses. Did he not? We are now right back at Exodus 34, as I've taught you before again and again. When God tore up Egypt and took out Israel, when God, by his power and his purchase, redeemed Israel out of Egypt, because he did it by power and purchase. Look at subpoints A and B in your outline. How did God redeem Israel? By power and by purchase. Is that not how he did it? He did it by power, and he did it by purchase. Look at point A, the power and purchase of his people. Did not God go in by an outstretched hand and a mighty arm and tear Egypt up? And then he took his people out, and he brought them through the Red Sea, pointing to the blood of Christ. But before he did that, he put the blood on the doorposts of all of his God's people because redemption is a consequence of power and purchase. 
As it was for the Old Testament saints, so it is for you and me. This is why Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. If you're saved today, didn't God exercise a power? Didn't he come get you by Didn't God tear some stuff up? Come on now. Didn't he tear it up? You know how you were clowning, right? And God allowed the world to collapse around you. He started busting up your Egypt, didn't he? And it was shaking you up too. But he had to do that to get your attention. And then he began to draw you to himself through the overtures of the gospel. And all of a sudden, a sovereign God became glorious to you. And when the message of redemption by the death of Jesus Christ was proclaimed to your soul, it made all the sense in the world. Someone else loved me enough to pay for my sin and redeem me from hell and liberate me from bondage. I'm a slave of Jehovah. I'm a slave of Christ. I'm bought lock, stock, and barrel. He owns me because he redeemed me by his power and by his purchase. Am I making sense? You got to get it. This, what I'm sharing with you, is called gospel preaching. Why? Because it's talking about God. It's talking about Christ and not us. Are you hearing? Point number B, point number B, the character of God revealed. Look at verse 8 and 9. Verse 8 and 9 plainly tells us in our text, the Lord is what? Merciful, gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy, right? Now, what are we doing now? David is recalling how that God had revealed himself to Moses in Exodus 34, verse 5 and 6. Pull it up again. We are right back at that epic account where God has to remind Moses, who has made the leader to bring Israel out, watch this now, that even though he has slain thousands of people because of worship at the golden calf, here's God's character. And you really want to get this, child of God, and you don't want to distort this. Don't do like a lot of religious folk do. Make God a God of all love. That's what liberals do. Now watch this. And don't, I'm sorry, that's what hyper-conservatives, nope, that's what liberals do. Hyper-conservatives will make God a God of all wrath. You're real legalistic people who never ever really experienced grace and called themselves stewards of God's Word, spend more time weighing on your conscience what you're doing wrong than what Christ did right for you. Listen to me. So you can call yourself a Christian, but you can actually be a legal Christian. And all you're doing is exposing sin and condemning bad conduct instead of showing men and women the sufficiency of God in Christ and the grace that's needed to get them out of their sin. And while as yet we are not doing that, we are miserable, anti-gospel people. What Moses had to learn is, yes, God will punish sin, but God is also merciful by what? Nature. Is he not? Now, when you are persuaded that your God, the one who already purchased you by power, is merciful by nature, you won't ever worry about God destroying you again. 
Well, time permits us to go no further. You have been listening to Way of Grace, the daily radio ministry of Grace Bible Church in Hayward, featuring our teacher and pastor, Pastor Jessica Stand. It is our prayer as we come to you daily on this broadcast that you're growing in grace, that you're growing in your love and adoration of Jesus Christ. That's the goal and the intent here at Way of Grace, that we might understand the amazing love of God in Christ. If you would like to obtain a copy of today's program, you've got a couple of ways you can do that. CDs are $5. Simply call or write to us and we'll send one to you. Or if you're internet savvy, simply stop by our website and you can download the audio file in MP3 version and that one's free. Grace-Bible.com is our website. That's Grace-Bible.com. And again, If you're willing to write to us or contact us by phone, if you would like the CD, simply do so at 510-886-9782. Again, that phone number is 510-886-9782. The address, if you're writing to us, is 22768 Main Street. That's here in Hayward. The zip code, 94541. And again, remember, the CD is $5, or simply stop by grace-bible.com and download the MP3 version for free. We would also invite you to join us for worship here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Sunday services are at 11 a.m., Sunday schools at 10 a.m. And don't forget, from a variety of churches and from all over the Bay Area, we have enjoyed a marvelous time of studying God's Word Friday evenings here at Grace Bible Church at 8 p.m. For the directions and the details, simply go to our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com, or call 510-886-9782. Also, as the Lord leads, we're able to come to you here on KFAX, in part through your financial and prayerful involvement with this ministry. Now, while it's free for you to listen to, it does incur a cost on our end, and we look to the Lord for his gracious provision. And if you'd like to participate in that, then please do get a hold of us. Any donation, no matter how big or small, is greatly appreciated here at Way of Grace. 510-886-9782 is our phone number. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.